Hello, and welcome to Adam and Eve on CJSR-FM 88.5 in Edmonton and around the world on CJSR.com. My name is Marco Visconti. And my name is Rose Eva Forbes Jenkins. We'll be your hosts for today's episode of Adam and Eve. Thanks for tuning in. Adam and Eve is Edmonton's only feminist news radio show. We are adamant on highlighting, discussing, and engaging with issues that affect women across Edmonton and around the world. This week, we're devoting the show to the topic of self-care, which is a vital aspect of maintaining our mental health. Later in the show, we're going to hear Rosiva's interview with Caitlin Hart, a student at the University of Alberta, using art and performance to celebrate neurodiversity in her community. Plus, we're going to hear some streeter interviews that Lisa provided towards the end of today's show. But first, let's go over to Lisa Pruden for some definitions of self-care. In 1983, the World Health Organization defines self-care like this. Self-care in health refers to the activities individuals, families, and communities undertake with the intention of enhancing health, preventing disease, limiting illness, and restoring health. These activities are derived from knowledge and skills, from the pool of both professional and lay experience. They are undertaken by lay people on their own behalf, either separately or in participative collaboration with professionals. They would later adjust that definition to incorporate ideas such as hygiene, nutrition, lifestyle, environmental factors, socioeconomic factors, and self-medication. With definitions like this, self-care sounds pretty straightforward, though it often seems to apply to physical well-being. As our conversation about mental health becomes less taboo, it is getting easier to talk about emotional well-being and care, too. Hopefully, we'll start seeing more definitions, like the one we found on goodtherapy.org, the actions that an individual might take in order to reach optimal physical and mental health. For me, a part of self-care is about being kind to myself, usually by way of snacks. But asking for help when I need to is also a big part of self-care. The Beatles know what I mean. Help! I need somebody! Help! Not just anybody! That was Lisa Prudence schooling us with some definitions of self-care. Now that we know what self-care is, it's time to dive into today's interview. Next up is Rosiva's interview with Caitlin Hart. Caitlin is a University of Alberta student who decided to organize her own event of art and community called Resisting Ability as a way to help others celebrate neurodiversity. The interview starts off with a poem that Caitlin wrote that inspired her to plan the event, and there are a few F-bombs in it, so here is your language warning. Beware. All right, let's go over to Rosiva's interview with Caitlin Hart. Um, This poem doesn't really have a title yet, um, but I was inspired by the um, a poem called OCD by Neil Hilborn to um, talk about maybe mental illnesses that people don't talk about so much um, when they write poetry or when they even think about mental illness in general. So this is my poem. I was nearly too depressed to write this. I'm not manic enough to make it good. When I'm hypomanic, everything is fast. 
Think fast, talk fast, act fast. Fuck, I can't sit still. Stop drumming your fingers. Stop jiggling your leg. Can't you shut up? Quit it. What? Whatever you're doing, stop. My moods aren't swings, and they aren't a roller coaster. They aren't fucking fun. I've lost friends and cardigans and credit cards in my various states. They hand me Seroquel, Respiridol, Do Not Operate Heavy Machinery, Venlafaxine, Dizziness, Drowsiness, Lamictal, Blurred Vision, Double Vision, Abilify, Take Once a Day, Always with Food, Latuda, No Alcohol, No Grapefruit, You're Bad, But Not Lithium Bad, Cetolopram, Call Your Doctor If Your Depression Worsens or You Have Pseudocidal Thoughts, or I'm Not the Well-Behaved Ill, I Forget My Pills, and I've Never Faked a Smile, I'll Scratch My Face Till It Bleeds, and the Twin Scars on My Arm Are As Permanent As The Tattoo Below Them. I've exchanged mindfulness, CBT, group therapy for poetry and kissing strangers in bars and chasing antipsychotics with $10 Moscato. Watch your moods, watch your mouth, watch your money. They're all at the mercy of miscommunications between neurotransmitters. Everything I feel is ephemeral. I've never held anything in my life. In three years, I've had five jobs and twice as many hookups, and whether I feel bad about that depends on the day. I am mugs with cold coffee left on the desk. I am overdue library books and one too many shots. I am a page in a psych textbook and a stretcher in a crowded ER. I am nervous ticks in an online shopping addiction. I am Lou Reed and Carrie Fisher, Halsey and Vincent van Gogh. I am Robert Munch and Margaret Trudeau. I am a drawer of stolen objects and a road trip unannounced. I am a best-selling memoir at a secret you are too ashamed to tell. All right, so I'm Caitlin Hart. I'm a student um, in my fifth year of uh, Bachelor of Arts. Um, I'm an English major and... That's me. At the University of Alberta? Yeah, at the U. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like sometimes people just think it's like a yeah, given. Yeah, it's like, But it's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's good to know. That's lovely. And I am Rose Eva Forks Jenkins, producer of Adam and Eve, and I'm here to interview Caitlin Hart about the topic of self-care. And it's very um, topic that is in your life right now because you're organizing an event yeah. Do you want to tell me about that event? Sure. Um, so the event is called Resisting Ability, a Night of Art and Community. Um, and that kind of came about um, from my uh, women's studies class, where we were, our whole class is kind of on creative resistance. And a classmate of, a, a classmate of mine and I both did poems for our kind of creative resistance. And I, I thought like, hey, we both really enjoyed doing this and... We could, and the the classroom environment was really great to share it in. So why not expand it even more and make it like a community event? Oh, amazing! Yeah. So these were poems that you came up with in class. It was like an in class assignment. Yeah. Um, the class was basically like everyone came up with their own form of creative resistance. So some people like made a website, or one of our classmates did a picture book for kids. We both just uh, ended up doing poems. So that's where the idea came from, was like, we can share our poems, but we can also encourage others to do the same. Because it's really, like, cathartic to write a poem and read it out to other people. Yeah, do you write a lot of poetry, like, normally? Um, I don't write a lot of poetry. Um, I write for, the like, the Gateway, the student newspaper here um, at the U of A, so I do more, like, news or, like, nonfiction kind of stuff. So po- poetry is, like, a really nice break from writing essays and news and stuff. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And um, did you find your poetry kind of being more political and cathartic, kind of like on purpose or just kind of felt happened naturally? Um, The inspiration for the poem really came from um, like another friend of ours in our class showed um, a poem of like a spoken word artist doing uh, 
art on like having OCD. So I kind of took from that, like I wanted to write about my own experiences with mental health, but I felt that it very quickly became political for me. Um, And so it it easily translated into the class project of like making a political statement, but from like a personal perspective. And is that why you wanted to organize the event? Yeah, I think, like I didn't think of it after I presented, but after my friend presented, and she talked about like how meaningful it was for her to hear, like first like my presentation before really like helped her get like kind of the courage to speak. So I really wanted to organize this so that like a lot of people, could, like more people, could have like the courage to speak and just have like a, a like really welcoming space to be heard and to speak and to have people clap even if your poem isn't great. Like neither of us would really call ourselves poets, but the poems were still. Like meaningful to us and had some power and yeah we got that feedback from our classmates so yeah did you guys do the this one instead of the clapping <laughs> I I was recently learning about this one how it's like they did it back in the beatnik days that because like so that you don't have to interrupt with the clap if someone says a line you really like yeah. you can just snap and they can keep on going yeah yeah I heard that that it was like less disruptive for like the other people in the neighborhood too if you were snapping it wasn't as loud as clapping oh but yeah that's, that's just good... what I've heard but yeah yeah oh that's amazing great so the title what does it mean for you to resist ability um the title really came i think um i've taken a disability studies course in the past and when we were talking about our professor kind of pitching the event she brought up the disability studies element of like um like, in our poems, we can talk about, um, like, seeking treatment or, like, taking medication for mental illness or something, but, and, like, obviously there's space in our event, too, for, like, people with, like, disabilities or chronic illness or anything like that, but I think the the idea of, like, resisting ability for me came from, like, learning in that disability studies class that, like, yes, yeah, some people have, like, a chronic illness or mental illness that they, like, seek treatment for, but it is also part of their identity, and it's something that can be celebrated for, like, that diversity. So um, I think the title really came from not wanting to qualify things as, like, qualify people as, like, able-bodied or disabled or anything, but to, like, really welcome a diversity of of experiences and different bodies, different people, um, and celebrating those differences instead of drawing attention to um, maybe the ways that people are disabled and more the innate abilities that they do have. Mm. That kind of makes me think of the um, definition of feminism where Bell Hooks said feminism is like anyone who wants to resist sexism in society. So it's, I think that does make it like, it gives it kind of a political nature. Yeah, yeah. I think I definitely wanted it to come... The, the title to be really political because it is about people sharing their personal experiences, but um, it really does come from like that that old adage like the personal is political for us. like for sure, when you're talking about a personal experience of mental illness or chronic illness, when those are like when people are treated like very poorly by governments and society for their illness and accessing care and things like that. Um, yeah, I think it was really about that political angle, but with the personal narrative. Personal mm-hmm. element, yeah. So, are there any artists in particular you can tell me about that of um, that you would say influence your work? Or, um... Um, yeah, watching Shane Koizan's, uh poetry, he does a lot of spoken word poetry about 
growing up with mental illness and also um, like encountering bullying and things like that. Um, that was a really big um, source of inspiration for us. Um, another one was definitely one of our classmates. Her presentation was um, she made this kind of um, web in quad that had like stereotypes on one side about people with mental illness and the other side had like facts and things like that. And it was a really cool piece. And her sharing that was also like a huge inspiration um, for both of us to get like a public conversation going about, yeah, mental illness and resisting the stereotypes. I hid my heart under the bed because my mother said, if you're not careful, someday someone's going to break it. Take it from me, under the bed is not a good hiding spot. I know because I've been shot down so many times, I get altitude sickness just from standing up for myself. But that's what we were told. Stand up for yourself. That's hard to do if you don't know who you are. We were expected to define ourselves at such an early age. And if we didn't do it, others did it for us. Geek, fatty, slut, fag. And at the same time we were being told what we were, we were being asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? I always thought that was an unfair question. It presupposes that we can't be what we were already are. We were kids. And lay me down. I woke the dreams. Still sleeping in my bones. What does the term self-care mean for you? Um, I think for me, I... I associate self-care not only with the self but also community so I kind of think of it also as community care which I think is why I wanted to have like a night of art and community as the title um I because I saw that a lot when when um the person I'm co-hosting the event with Miranda when she performed her poem and we all responded as like a small seminar class group as a community of people um that was I think really impactful for her like reinforcing what she had done in her own time to write that poem, to take care of herself, to express herself, and then have a community support what she wrote and support who she is and the things that she said in the poem. I think, I think self-care is part of like a broader community and having a community that supports you in your self-care. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. Um, if you want, you could speak to any specific communities that you feel are like other different types of communities for you that... Sure. Um... Like, I definitely think in my in my women's studies class, we have created definitely a community there where we have a professor who really is supportive of us if we need to have, like, a mental health day, things like that. Like, making those, making space for us to take care of ourselves, as difficult as that is, as, like, she's a professor in a university setting. Sometimes university makes it really hard to take care of yourself, but having that... Um, Having her make an effort to make that space in our classroom, that definitely has built a community for us, and we've become like a really close class, which is really cool in such a big institution. Um, I think I also just have built those communities with my friends, though. Um, friends that I've encountered in doing theater, um, just my close friends really having a having just these groups, these little pockets of people who, if I say, like, I need to take time for self-care, they listen. And they encourage me to do that. I have that community with my roommates. Like, I, it's, yeah, it, you create it wherever you go, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's so cool thinking of it as like a fluid space. Mm -hmm. Because a women's studies class isn't necessarily a community depending on who is there and who isn't, but it just seems like depending on the situation that has happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's cool. Um, And how were you introduced to the concept of self-care? Hmm. Do you remember? If you don't, that's okay. <laughs> it's kind of hard to remember. Um, it's been something that like I've encountered probably the most like since starting university, um, doing different volunteer positions. Uh, I trained with the Sexual Assault Center, and that was something they really emphasized. That was probably the first place I encountered it. It was something they emphasized like at the end of a training day, which would be obviously very intense. Um, we, we would all go around and say like what we were going to do for self-care when we got home. And I think that was probably like my first real like big encounter that I can remember with self care is, um, yeah, just in that that community of volunteers, just being reminded to go home and watch Netflix or go home and make your favorite dinner or something and have that like actually reinforced. So you're like, I you made a commitment to actually do it. Yeah, that's so interesting. That yeah, not only discussing it but making people like realize and vocalize what it means for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there was definitely that space for like. What self-care means to me doesn't mean the same thing to the person across the room, but we all made space for our different definitions and the different things we needed to do for self-care. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's really amazing. I love that concept. Um, You spoke a little bit about some stuff that you do. Did you want to, if you wanted to elaborate on anything that you do for self-care, if you wanted Um, to? Sure. Um, I guess, like, probably my number one favorite thing to do for self-care is just to take a bath and turn off my phone. Um... I think when I get, like, wrapped up in, like, talking to other people and constantly, you know, getting into these, into the kind of, I have to constantly be in contact with people, I think just, like, turning it off and putting it away and reading a book is, like, my favorite way to do self-care and just take an hour um, and just be kind of away and quiet. And it's, yeah, that's my favorite thing. But writing is a huge one, too, Mm -hmm. um, to take a break from writing essays and to write something I really, like is personally important to me instead of just like this is a, an academic thing I have to do where I'm vaguely interested in it's something that um is self-care in a different way for sure from like relaxing in the tub and reading a book but it's um yeah for me to to write down what I'm feeling and to turn it into something I can be proud of and feel like this is like a I don't know if I could like feel confident enough to call like something I wrote beautiful but like something that is meaningful to me and like for for other people to read too that was powerful I think that's like kind of a a weirdly like productive self-care yeah like uh generating things yeah yeah like I definitely know what you're what you're saying like it's a self-care where like you've taken care of your own like creative side of yourself like maybe when we think of self-care we can think of different types of self-care and different like our different selves yeah like there's our creative self and our uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm I'm thinking in my head. I'm just not good at vocalizing it. <laughs> yeah. No, I know what you mean. That's interesting. That there's yeah different types of self care depending on like the different types of needs we have. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes I think I need to turn off my brain, but sometimes I think I need to respond to all the craziness that's going on in my brain and like give that kind of an opportunity to speak and be creative. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So, <laughs> how do you feel about people kind of making fun of the idea of self-care? Um, I guess I poke fun at it sometimes myself, but I think that comes from, like, a place of, like, I know it's important to me, so I can kind of 
poke fun at it. Like, I kind of make fun of everything in my life. Like, it's just, like, my approach. So, So, sorry, go ahead. No, sorry. Do you think by, like, you can make fun of it without taking its meaning away and without taking away its importance? I think so, but I think you have to have kind of the right intentions behind it. Um, Like, I feel comfortable joking about it because I know I also place a lot of value on self-care. But I I can see, too, how someone who doesn't understand self-care or doesn't really feel it's important can make fun of it in a way that's kind of demeaning to people who um, maybe do see the importance of self-care. So maybe to clear, so when someone makes fun of it, they can make fun of their own self-care maybe, but not anyone else's. Yeah, Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that I think that's a general, maybe just general life advice. Yeah, make fun of yourself, not, not other people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you think the term self care has lost its meaning? Um, I think in in some ways it it might have because it has become so it it gets used so much now, right? People like five years ago, I'd never probably heard the term self care, but now I feel like it's everywhere I go, and. So sometimes I think it has lost its meaning, which is kind of why I like the idea of community care, because that is something, it, it kind of reframes the same things in a, in a new way that is maybe more meaningful to people. Because sometimes I think self-care can be seen as this kind of like floaty, silly kind of thing. And it can be like floaty and silly if that's what you need, but sometimes it means other things and maybe that meaning has been lost along the way. Something that just occurred to me that I will share is I think one of the first place or one of the places where I very remember someone talking about self-care was when I saw Angela Davis talk at the mm-hmm. University of Alberta. And someone was um, asking Angela Davis, like, you know, oh, you were so revolutionary in your day. Who's the revolutionary now? Like, you know, almost saying, like, you know, there, there aren't these big heroes anymore. And she said, oh, you know what's great about right now and what the feminist movement is, is, like, we've come up with a term of self-care that didn't exist when I was there. And that's amazing. So if Angela Davis is praising self-care <laughs> and she has been on, like, one of the CIA's, like, most wanted lists and, like, has been arrested and she sees the importance of self-care, I think we all can. Yeah. <laughs> We just heard Roseva in conversation with Caitlin Hart about the role of self-care as well as community care. Next up, we're going to hear some streeter interviews about self-care. But first, let's talk about your friendly Adamant Eve hosts and producers. Uh, what do what do we do for self-care? Uh, Roseva, what do you do? Um, yeah, good question, Marco. Um, I think that for me, it's really about taking time to think about what like my brain needs in the moment. So during the day, you're kind of like focused on your schedule and what's coming up next and, you know, what um, what you have to do, whereas this is take, taking the time to think of what you want to do as opposed to what you have to do. So like just sitting down and thinking like, do I want to go for a walk or do I want to watch a TV show or do I want to socialize? So just, it's not one thing specifically, but it's just taking the time, I think, to realize what at this moment I, is kind of lacking and that I need to do. Yeah, I think that's a really apt description of it because it's just taking a step back and thinking about what do I need for myself in this moment and you can kind of fill that space with whatever you want, whether it's, I don't know, um, taking a really long shower or taking a walk or phoning a friend just to like hear about their day. Um, but it's just kind of setting aside that time 
for yourself. All right, now it's time for our last segment. Lisa Pruden took to the streets to get some anonymous opinions on self-care, so let's take a listen to that. I'm making sure you have a support system around you uh, for when you're feeling down. Just kind of having that time to relax and to decompress and not to have to think about school, which is a hard one, but it's kind of nice to just relax and not stress about stuff and do what you want to do instead of focusing on what school is making you do and stuff. So, yeah. Surprise question. What What's your favorite way to self-care? I'm taking a break and just taking some time for myself, apart from schoolwork and apart from the stresses of everyday life. I like just to go running or just to work out and get rid of extra energy that kind of builds up and yeah, just to relax. Uh, so basically when I'm stressed out, so I'll go to the gym actually. That really helps me because sometimes I have a like, you know, neck pain. So when I do the elliptical, like that actually the best thing in my, like, you know, to get rid of. But sometimes I just go and walk like around the like university area so i think that's something i do that's perfect thank you so much um i like to play squash with my dad because it's fun and also in school i like to play around with my friends and that also helps exercise i guess to me self-care means to get enough sleep self-care means having a place to retreat to I would say sleep is most important to my self-care in terms of mental health. I don't think I have anything off the top of my head. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Is there anything that you do for yourself when you're stressed out or down? Well, I think uh, being (laughs) well-fed and (laughs) making sure that you get a full meal is a a good idea for self-care. Well, I don't know. I think everyone has different ideas of what self-care is about. Um, really it's just about taking care of your mental health making sure that you have all the not just energy but sort of the I don't know will to to keep on doing what you're doing right Um, I think some really important ways that I do self-care is like meditation uh, going through walks you know um, and just like just dropping everything I need to for couple hours I think is very useful. That was a series of streeter interviews about self-care done by Adam and Eve producer Lisa Pruden. And we are out of time for this episode of Adam and Eve, Edmonton's only feminist news radio show. We produce this week's show in the studios of CJSR FM 88.5 in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada on Treaty 6 territory. Thank you so much to Caitlin Hart for sitting down with us, as well as everyone that told us their views on self-care. This has been Adam and Eve, your feminist radio show on CJSR. Adam and Eve is a spoken word project of CJSR FM 88.5 in Edmonton, Alberta. And our journalism is funded by you, the listeners. For more information on our program and to send us any feedback, please contact us on our Facebook page under Adam and Eve or tweet at us. We're always looking for more volunteers to help out, so if you're interested in learning any aspect of radio production, just get in touch. Stay tuned for our next show in two weeks' time, where we will feature a CSL documentary project on fourth wave feminism by Megan Parham. 
Thank you so much for tuning in again. We have been your hosts. My name is Marco Visconti. And my name is Rose Eva Forks Jenkins. And we leave you now with the song IRM by Charlotte Gainsbourg. Have a great adamant evening. So long for now. <laughs> I love it.